What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Uh, My good friend David Wiley joins me as he does every week for This Week in Cannabis News. Uh, David is with The OZ and you can follow him on Twitter at WileyWriter as well as at Okanagan Z. Uh, David, uh, welcome back to the show. How are things this week out in God's country, as they say? (laughs) Hello, everyone. Things are good, you know, just uh, enjoying the changing weather and trying to get outside uh, when the sun decides to shine on us. Yeah, we've been getting some um, beautiful sunshine. We had a terrible, terrible April. Um, there was so much snow and cold and it's gone now and it seems like a, a faded memory as we were able to uh, enjoy the outdoors. Um, uh, this first story we're going to chat about, uh, you know, I, I know there's some people that are happy uh, about this, but just from the very beginning, um, this company, uh, Alifia Health Changes, has had a lot of questions about it. And now uh, the top two dogs, I guess you might say, have stepped down. They most certainly have. And both of those two dogs are... Um, very familiar to people in the cannabis industry, uh, notorious even. Um, You know, one of them is a former Toronto police chief and politician Julian Fantino. And he once compared, actually once compared legalizing weed to legalizing murder. Um, Yeah, uh, Fantino went on in 2017 after this, um, after his police and political career, to open um, that what is Alethea these days. Him, along with his partner, uh, also a former RCMP, Deputy Commissioner Raf Sukar, and uh, they have now announced that they're going to be both stepping down uh, as of May 15th. So to many who have been following this since this company really got off the ground, it really was the height of hypocrisy. I mean, you've got two people... Um, who for years had fought uh, to put people in jail uh, over cannabis and, you know, even small, um, small crimes that involved it. And uh, you've got these guys opening up their own company. And meanwhile, you have people within the cannabis industry who fought for years and years to normalize it and legalize it. And they were shut out. So there were a lot of questions about this company at the beginning and how that uh, could be justifiable. And, you know, in fact, in a 27 interview with As It Happened, host Carol Off, she didn't hold back on her questioning. She said, as chief of police in Toronto, you were very strict about drugs. You put people in jail. There are people who are in jail because of people like you. Uh, You don't see the contradiction between your past life as chief of police in this interview, Fantino replied, not at all. Hmm. Uh, you know, he said that we're making a huge mistake if we believe that he put everyone in jail. Uh, you know, but uh, he says he gave all kinds of people breaks. Really, for a lot of folks, that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a really hard pill to swallow. And uh, now him, uh, him and his partner are both leaving the company. And a lot of people out there are very happy about this announcement. Um, you know, there's some speculation as to where Fantino's going to go next. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care as long as it's not back in the cannabis industry 
Uh, and if he is back in the cannabis industry, whatever company decides that they want to bring him on their board or wherever they bring him on, you know, I, I'll be the first to say that I will not be buying from them. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, if it, it's interesting when, when searching around about this story, I came across vice.com. They have a list of, uh, who they perceive to be hypocrites in cannabis in Canada and, uh, um, Fantino, uh, and his, uh, I guess his sidekick or whatever, uh, Raf Sukar, I, I think I pronounced that properly. They're at the top of the list. Like th- these two guys who were both involved, uh, in, in law enforcement before and, and responsible, as you mentioned, for people going to jail, they're at the top of that list when it comes to hypocr- hypocrisy in cannabis in, in Canada. I don't know what company would bring these two guys on. Uh, it's, it's almost like they're red flagged within the cannabis community. Yeah, you know, I'm not the first person or the only person to express their uh, disgust of uh, bringing on people who really have made their previous career, um, you know, putting putting people who support cannabis in jail. So no thanks. All right, uh, let's move on uh, to, um, well, well, for some people, that is a good story that those guys are uh, out of it. Uh, let's move on to a, an even better sure. story, um, if that's the case. And, and, and you know, I had uh, a gentleman, Hattie Feltham, from Square Foot Grow Systems on last week, and one of the things we talked about was getting the legacy market, uh, or whatever you want to call it, involved in the in the growing process. And... Um, this next story isn't, I'm not sure if it's, this is, fits exactly that, but it's craft cannabis and seven acres. Uh, I'm really excited about this, but also because maybe this is the trickle down of getting those people involved. There's a lot of really smart growers out there that can get involved in craft or micro, uh, cra- uh growing, whatever you want, want to call it. And I love that seven acres is really starting to kind of get the ball rolling on this. Yeah, they sure are. Long before legalization, BC has been known for uh, its bud. And uh, I'm excited to see what the craft side of the biz has to offer because Seven Acres with their new craft collective is going to be um, launching in the BC market um, with, a, with a pink cush. So they're focused on um, bringing that craft product, a small batch, um, you know, the, the, the stuff that really has its own individual kind of mark to it, uh, to the market. And Seven Acres itself has a really strong reputation for being a great grower and and making sure that great products are coming on um, through them. And I think that my favorite strains always include stuff from that company. Um, And there's not a lot of companies who could pull off trying to bring to life a craft market because, you know, there are some that maybe don't produce the greatest products, so we may have a little laugh uh, if they decided to come out and say that they're gonna gonna really bring out that sma- that small batch stuff. Um, and you know, for Seven Acres, it's they said that this is an opportunity that they've identified that these uh, smaller and craft producers can quickly bring um, cultivars that we really want to see to the market. And, you know, it's uh, it, it's a bit of a faster process when you're growing. Uh, small amounts and rather rather than growing massive greenhouses um, so and it, you know there's a greater variety of products so this is great it's going to be launching across the country in different markets uh, and keep an eye out wherever you are for whatever is coming and, and again 
this isn't just the seven acres thing. This is the sort of a trend that we're going to be seeing where, uh, where craft growers, um, are able to bring their expertise in all kinds of different ways. So, you know, hurrah, I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, seven acres is, um, you know, one of those, uh, producers that, I, I love their slogan. It's right over my, I guess it would be this shoulder, uh, in, in my studio, uh, respect the plant. <laughs> it's it's their motto. They respect the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quantity uh, over quality. And that's what every cannabis connoisseur and, and newcomers to cannabis should want is, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't a, a place for the mass producer that's maybe at a, a lower price, but uh, craft cannabis, um, you know, hand-trimmed, all that beautiful stuff that people can do with time um, is, uh, is I think, where a lot of the market is going to go. I mean, you know, the craft beer market uh, is, is really starting to take off, and I think craft cannabis could be the same. Yeah, it, it really could. And uh, I'm hoping that also we're going to start to see those uh, those punny names that uh, we tend to see in the craft beer market. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I uh, uh, that's be that'd be a nice uh, side benefit to that as well. Um, well, uh, David, we know uh, that the cannabis industry uh, was in a little bit of a, a downturn before COVID nineteen, and now the impact of COVID nineteen. Um, is is you know affecting the long term approach uh, when when it comes to you know forecast and and sales and and when it comes to uh, one bank in particular uh, some of those forecasts have been slashed. They sure have. It's you know it's been clear for about four months now that twenty twenty was going to be miserable. Um, it turns out that CIBC Capital Markets also seeing that glass half empty. And uh, it's the investment banking subsidiary to uh, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, uh, for anyone who's wondering. And now they've slashed their cannabis sales forecast for 2020 by a billion dollars. So down from $2.5 billion to $3.4 billion. And that's 2020. 2021 also uh, slashed from $4.1 billion, uh, sorry, down to $4.1 billion from $5.5 billion. So these are big changes, um, and they still seem optimistic uh, when you compare them to last year's sales, which was $1.2 billion. So the, the forecast is actually still um, projected to more than double last year. Uh, maybe that's a silver lining. Um, you know, and this number also should say it doesn't include medical sales. Mm-hmm. So in this report, it was kind of interesting to read them giving a slap on the wrist to cannabis companies over what they call their lack of readiness <laughs> for 2.0 categories, um, including edibles, extracts, and topicals. So basically they said, uh, CIBC said that we had a, a cannabis company saying they were ready, that they were going to bring some great products to the market, uh, and then 2.0 kicked in and there was nothing. So in a, in a lot of markets, it still seems like maybe some of these products, uh, especially supplies, and varieties are lacking. Um, that did not escape CIBC's notice. And uh, one of the, a few things they said that are actually positive from the COVID-19 crisis, and it's always nice to, to get at least a little bit of good news mixed in with the bad, um, they said that this has brought on a forced innovation and are expecting to see two years' worth of innovations in only two months citing things like a curbside pickup, direct delivery from stores, digital ordering, 
uh, and text message notifications. So there's, uh, you know, a, a lot to be said about uh, how a market and industry can change in a crisis. Well, it, most definitely, uh, we, we are seeing um, some reaction to that, and, and, it, and it's good to see that some of those implica- implica- uh, things have been implicated or implemented. Rather, um, the, mm-hmm. the one thing I found interesting about this, and, and you know, the the forecast uh, coming down. Uh, because a lot of these shops have had to stop their rollouts. And, and you know, there's a lot of places. You, you look in Alberta, there's almost 450 stores here in Alberta. There would be more if the rollout hadn't, uh, the COVID hadn't stopped the rollout. I think you guys in BC, it uh, says, have just over 180. But Ontario, <laughs> there were supposed to be a whole bunch of stores opening in the last little while that haven't been able to do it uh, because of the situation we're in. And, and that's one thing that they're looking at is, as being a big impact for this forecast being slashed. It's a big problem when you, when you have a product and nowhere to sell it. Um, not everybody wants to buy online. In fact, I see online is only about 10% of actual purchases. Um, so, you know, 90% of product is being bought in brick and mortar. And if you don't have stores open, well, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I think delivery is, uh, is so important, uh, especially for the next story. And the final story that we're going to talk about as we're joined by David Wiley from the OZ. You can follow him on Twitter at Wiley Writer and at Okanagan Z. And seniors are getting high at uh, um, a large rate. And, and I've been banging this drum for a while that this is a fast-growing demographic. This is why I think we should have delivery, especially at this time, because seniors are vulnerable, the most vulnerable right now. Uh, to, to going outdoors. So, um, you know, I, th- I think maybe it's coming, uh, but I, I know that senior market from talking to people in stores is just exploding right now. It, it sure is. And it has um, really been trending upwards since legalization. I, I remember the conversations and, and how different they are uh, back when I was a teenager about cannabis, so it's usually centered around me being sent uh, sent to my room, <laughs> banished to play video games, <laughs> versus now my conversations with my parents, my mom in particular, uh, has been asking me all kinds of different questions about CBD and THC and uh, the different teas and chocolates on the market. So I've been sending my mom, uh, by the way, here's a good PSA that Mother's Day is coming up. Yes. All my friends out there. Uh, and I've been sending my mom things like teas and chocolates to uh, to help her get familiar with uh, the cannabis products that are out there. Uh, and it, it's amazing how many more people in the 65 and over demographic are uh, have tried cannabis since it's legalized. Um, you know, I'll, I'll hit you with some numbers. Statistics Canada shows that um, that of people who are 65 and over. It's it's going upward and hovering now somewhere between 4% and 7.5% of people. So if you mm. do a little bit of math, uh, since legalization, we've probably seen an increase of about 200,000 grandmas and grandpas out there across Canada who are trying cannabis or using cannabis and didn't before. That's a, that's a lot of people. Um, you know, maybe your mom and dad... Uh, our grandma, grandpa are out there trying it. You don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's pretty fascinating. A lot of these older folks, um, 
are even new to it completely. Yeah, you have a you have a bunch of people, of course, out there who have who have um, used and loved and known cannabis uh, for a long, long time, and there are others who this is just brand new to them because it is a legal market now. And the stigmas that we've been talking about is since we first started talking, Dean, are starting to shift and starting to lift. And people are more interested and uh, and want to give it a shot. So um, this is it's a great trend, and it's offering a lot of people some relief for the pain um, that they've been suffering and the sleeplessness that they're suffering because of that kind of pain that increases and stays with you as you get older and older. You're, you're, yeah, it's, uh, it's such a great, fascinating, um, excitable trend. Um, and, and in some cases you're right. Uh, your grandparents may be using this and you don't know it because maybe they don't want to tell their friends <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is that they have a secret stash of cookies or something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's also great that, you know, seniors complexes are having educators come in and talk to them about cannabis mm-hmm. because they're requesting it or they're going to the stores themselves in groups or individuals. I mean, oftentimes I'll walk into a cannabis store and there'll be somebody uh, in their seventies in there asking questions. And I just get so excited about it because, you know, I know it can help. I know what it can do. I know what it's done for me and I know what it can do uh, for other people, whether on the medicinal side or, or just for pure enjoyment. So this is one of the the happier stories that I love discussing. And the fact that we're seeing that that generation ask for the information is even better. It's a beautiful thing. A lot of retailers that I've spoken to uh, specifically are looking to hire people who are 65 or older so that when these customers are coming in, they have someone that's familiar to speak to them and maybe has uh, some of the same questions that they do. That's uh, such a, a really, really good point. Uh, David, thanks as always for joining us here on This Week in Cannabis News. You can sign up uh, or join the uh, newsletter at okanaganz.com. Uh, check out the website, okanaganz.com slash OZ, and make sure you're giving them a follow on Twitter at okanaganz, at Wiley Writer. Enjoy the sunshine, David. Can't wait to chat next week and find out what else is going on in the world of cannabis news. You too, my friend. Take care.